You're listening to episode 34 of the Boss Lady Investor Podcast. Welcome to the Boss Lady Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Goodrich, aka the OG Boss Lady Investor. On our show, we focus on helping ladies just like you hear from other badass boss ladies and the occasional boss dude to learn how they created wildly financially successful lives. After realizing how many challenges boss ladies face as we navigate our financial, fitness, business, and spiritual life, I created the Boss Lady Investor community and this show as a place for women to grow and learn in a safe and fun space. When it comes to women and investing, traditional stocks and bonds don't always grab our interest. So on this show, we learn about all types of ways women can invest and grow their wealth with a variety of investments, be it real estate, small business and entrepreneurship, side hustles, and other creative strategies. Women work better when we are strong mentally, physically, and spiritually. So we deep dive into all aspects of being a boss lady. Our tribe empowers women to take chances, believe in themselves, and live their best life ever. Whatever your goals are, boss ladies, you got this. This week's guests are two working moms and solopreneurs, Amanda Kessler and Laura Ford, who made it to their 40s with their heads planted firmly in the sand regarding finances until a few key conversations with friends changed the trajectories of their financial lives. They have no judgments, they don't give lectures, and they also host a podcast called Best Friends Finance Podcast, where they just have a chat with their friends about finance. Guys, these ladies are super smart. They both left amazing careers before starting their current journeys and were just absolutely enjoyable to talk to. I think they go through a lot with finances that almost... All women go through in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, figuring it out, finding their way, and eventually being really excited about finance and money and how to use it. So I hope you all really enjoyed this podcast. They were such fun guests to have on the show. And if you get a chance, check out their show as well, because it is awesome. And with that, we'll get started. All right, guys. So we have Laura Ford and Amanda Kessler on the phone with us from Best Friends Finance Podcast, amongst many other ventures, as you guys heard in their intro. But rather than me tell you guys all about them, if you ladies would take a minute and just tell our listeners about yourselves, where you came from, how you ended up having a podcast on finance, because I think your stories are pretty interesting. So if you would, you want to go, go ahead first, and let Laura? our listeners know how you got there. Okay. My name is Amanda Kessler. I'm so excited to be here, Krista. Thanks for having us. Um, so I am in Littleton, Colorado. I am a mom, a wife of two little girls who are not so little. They're 10 and 12. And I'm an attorney. I practiced law for 15 years. I thought I was going to do it forever. But as so many people do, I had a paradigm shift and started a side hustle back in 2011 that slowly took over my full-time day job income and allowed me to leave my law practice in 2014. So I have continued to build that. That's actually how Laura and I met. She was doing the same thing. And um, through the course of that, you'll hear more, I'm sure, in our stories. But we 
both experienced um, some financial success beyond imagination that led to some interesting choices as far as spending and lifestyle inflation. And that led to an epiphany probably for me about three years ago that, holy crap, I need to learn more about money and uh, and and get a hold of, of what we're doing in our future. Otherwise, our future is not going to be existent. We're going to be eating cat food and working till we're 94. Um, so that led to a whole lot of research, a whole lot of conversations, and evolved into the Best Friends Finance podcast, which is uh, what Laura and I do together. And Laura, what's your story? So my story is different than Amanda's, um, obviously, but I, I, we met obviously doing our side hustle, but my husband and I have owned and operated a retail store in the Texas Hill Country for the last 20 years. And it was really through, you know, that business and having worked, you know, our store is only close 300 and uh, I'm sorry, it's not close 300. It's open. It's only closed four days out of the year. And so for me, I was looking for a, another way to generate income that would allow me to buy back some of my time. Because at the time that I started my side hustle, my girls were um, in their early years of high school and I was missing them. I, you know, the last the last Christmas Eve I worked, my daughter sent me a text and she said, hey, mom, what time are you and dad going to be home? And our store didn't close until four o'clock on Christmas Eve. And um, it was really in that moment that I thought this something has to change for me. This is not what I want to do the rest of my life. And uh, my girls were also quickly approaching the age um, that I was when my mom passed away when when I was 17. And so I really um, felt the need and the pull to change my trajectory and and it's been such a huge blessing. And then finding friends like Amanda along the way. But like Amanda said, we um, were so fortunate that we fell into a business that rewarded us financially. And for me, having grown up with very little, it gave me the opportunity to spend frivolously on things that I thought would bring me joy. And what I recognized was with two kids in college and driving and those that sort of things, and then just being hit with um, natural disasters. We've been hit with a flood and <laughs> um, little things like that, you know, that things in life that set you back that you don't recognize that are going to have a huge financial impact. And they do. And then just trying really just waking up one day and recognizing where we were and how we got there and that we needed to crawl our way out of it. And so it was through having a conversation with Amanda um, a, about a year ago and just really saying, I can't believe this is where we're at. We need to to do better. And so we both just really jumped in this journey and started having these back and forth conversations. And it just felt so natural to us that um, we felt like we needed to share what we were saying to one another, but it felt so uncomfortable to say to other women, because let's face it, a lot of women are not sitting around talking about money okay. and how they spend it or, you know, they or they are talking about how they spend it, but they're not talking about how they're saving it and we're going to do better. And so there's so many things about you guys story that I love and I am so interested in learning about. So, yay. Um, my first thing is both of you had very successful lives going on in your business and your law practice and then realized that this isn't exactly what I want. And, and life's short, right? So you got to create what you want before you don't have time. But you guys did that. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people think it and they dream about it and they talk about it but they made the shift. So I just heard, Laura, you, your daughter's talk, asking you when are you going to be home on Christmas Eve. I think that was your moment. But how scary was it for both of you to 
make that jump to start your side hustle? Or was it less scary because it was a side hustle that you were able to grow? You know, it was really scary for me because it was so outside my my comfort zone. However, we had just gone through something much scarier. And I realized the alternative was actually terrifying. So, um, you know, my my background, I was I was raised in an upper middle class family, um, never really wanted for anything. My parents were frugal and we had a very simple life, but I don't remember, you know, actually wanting for much. And and the only things I knew about finances um, from my family were because we didn't talk about money. As Laura said, I was raised that it was rude. I remember asking my dad once, you know, how much do you get paid for going to work? And, and he was like, what? You don't ask that. That's that's rude. So the only thing I knew from my parents was if you have a retirement plan, you can contribute to max that out and never carry a balance on a credit card. So I'd done that my entire life. I went to a top law school. I started practicing law. I was doing well professionally. So I thought between all of those good decisions that I had done everything right, that everything was always going to be fine. And my husband um, is a software developer. He started a company in college, actually. He was kind of ahead of the curve in the mid-90s and did very well so that as even as an attorney, I was the secondary income in our family. And when the last recession happened, the Great Recession, 2008, 2009, 2010, his business slowly over the course of three years died a slow, painful death. So that by some point in 2010, I was the sole income earner for our family. So I went from being like the secondary to the only. And then I kid you not, just months later, um, the IRS came knocking on our door with a tax lien uh, in the amount of $89,000 based on some mistakes he had made in his business years before. And I mean, you know, that is water under the bridge. We figured it out. It will never happen again. But that was that paradigm shifting moment that you can do everything right and you still have no control over the economy, over, you know, just just things can happen. And I felt like if I didn't do something to add to my sense of control and to our bottom line, I was it, it would it's what I had to do for my family. So when this opportunity came up, I'm like, dear God, that is so terrifying and different. And I already work 50 hours a week and have a one and a three year old. But I've got to do something to get us out of this hole. And so I did. And it turns out, you know, sometimes the sometimes the, the scary leap is so much less scary than the alternative. And that's the situation we were in. And Laura, for you. Yeah. So for me, my story was a little different. I was interested in the product, actually, that Amanda and I represent and getting it at wholesale. And because I was a wholesale buyer for a retail store, it made perfect sense to me to become a wholesaler and purchase a product and get it at, you know, at the best price at 50% off. And I had no intention of actually starting the side hustle. But what happened was people started asking me what I was doing that was so different. And so I shared with them and it wasn't too long into it where after I got my first paycheck that my husband said, honey, this is residual income. This is just like, and at the time we also owned a car wash and we have some rental income, um, things that provide us um, supplemental income outside of our retail store. And he said, honey, this is residual income. You need to do this business. And I kid you not, in six months, it gave us the opportunity to actually sell our car wash. And what he had never confessed to me was in the six years that we had owned the car wash was, you know, car washes never close. I mean, they're Christmas, they're 
Thanksgiving. Yeah. There was one Thanksgiving where it was broken and there was a line around the block to get their car washed. And instead of him being at Thanksgiving dinner with his family and all of us, um, he was there trying to fix it so he could get those cars through there. And, you know, we needed the residual and we, we needed the supplemental income. But in six months, I had replaced what that car wash was um what we were pulling out of that car wash. So he said to me, I would love to be able to sell the car wash and buy back some of the time. Our girls were that our oldest daughter at the time was going to be a senior and she played tennis. And he said, I would love to be able to travel and watch her get to play this year because she played on the weekends and he couldn't go because he was keeping that car wash afloat for our family so that we could afford to send them to tennis tournaments and whatnot. So for me, it was a lot different than Amanda, but it was definitely a family decision. And it was something that I, I mean, I loved doing it anyways. It didn't feel like it was doing it very much alongside of working at the retail store because they were just conversations. And so it just felt natural. And it was something I was used to presenting, you know, um, selling a product. That's what I was doing in my day to day anyway. So it was just, it was just in a different model natural progression of how it happened. Absolutely. That's those are cool stories. And I'm really proud of you guys for making those leaps because a lot of people, they'll see where you guys are now. And I have this happen too. And they think it's an easy path to get there. And, oh, she was a lawyer before. Oh, she had a business before. It's not easy. You know, we make it look easy. That's what we're supposed to do, right? Because if if we make it look like a struggle, no one's going to hang out with us, right? But it is a struggle along the way. And there's a lot of challenges that people don't know that you face behind closed doors, you know, and I wrestling is scary shit. And, but you're not the first person to have one. You know, there's been, when I I got audited by the IRS and it was the most God awful, scary thing that had ever happened. And it was because of some things I did on my taxes that threw up some red flags, but you get through it and you move forward. And, you know, and I, you know, I've talked a lot about different failures that I've had along the way and it's just what makes you grow to the next level. So something else you guys said that I think is amazingly awesome because I had the exact same experience. Um, I asked my dad when I was 17 to help me fill out the FAFSA so that I could go to college. And I wanted to get some aid to go to college because my parents hadn't saved any money for us for college. Love them, but they hadn't saved. And we didn't talk about money in my house ever. I couldn't tell you until today what my dad actually made. Now he'll talk to me openly about it, but he wouldn't even let me know the income to put on the FAFSA. So I was unable to qualify for financial aid because I couldn't fill out my dad's information. And yeah, I didn't know that my parents had been bankrupt when I was 10 years old. I didn't know that their credit card debt was awful. Yeah. There's so many things I didn't know, but I also, I was, I had a Mercedes when I was 16 years old, not a nice Mercedes. I mean, it wasn't nice, but I still had a Mercedes when I was 16. I didn't know what was going on, you know? And so by not having those conversations, I went to college, I got a credit card and I just used it. And occasionally when I felt like it, I'd send in the payment because I didn't know. I didn't know that you had to do that. And so what I struggle with to this day is women don't want to talk about it. And that's what you guys both said is, you know, we're, if we talk about it, it's what we bought. It's what we spent money on. It's the new outfit we got, but you don't hear women say, Hey man, I just, I put some money in this really cool stock or mutual fund, or did you see my latest real estate investment? It's awesome. No one listens. No, or guys might listen, but girls don't. So how are you guys helping to bridge that gap? And I, I know you're doing it with your podcast and getting women to start opening up and talking about it. Cause it's the only way we're ever going to have the level of investment that our male counterparts do. So what's, and what are your, what's your feedback on when you do talk to women about it? Are they still scared or what are you seeing out there? So I was 100% that person who didn't want to talk about it. And I mean, my husband has wanted to talk about it for 
a long time. We've been married for almost 14 years. He's always wanted to talk about it. And I really had the 100% head in sand attitude, just that, you know, because we did recover financially. Um, he He's doing great. I I am a high income earner. He's a high income earner. Therefore, we should not even have to talk about money. It should just be fine. And I, I went on like that for years until my early 40s when we were on a trip with friends who were who we traveled with who had lived a similar lifestyle for to us and just out of the blue they started talking about their savings rate and i had never even heard the term savings rate like you know we're saving 40% of everything i make i'm like what i don't know how much i'm saving like i max out my retirement funds isn't that enough like isn't that all i need to know and so i they just like triggered something in my brain thinking i i really don't know anything about where our money's going or what we're doing with it or how much we're saving. So I started looking and started just absorbing as much information as I could, listening to podcasts, reading blogs, and realizing that I had not a freaking idea. And none of my friends other than that conversation had ever talked about it with me. So I literally started bringing it up with like every woman I know, you know, going for walks with my neighbor and and saying, you know, what are you guys doing towards retirement? And honestly, seeing people kind of clench, like get uncomfortable. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not asking to see your bank account. I just want to talk about like, what is your plan? And and how do you, you know, what's your strategy for retirement? Or how are you doing this? Or, you know, with your real estate deals, what are you doing? And people feeling uncomfortable and realizing we we are programmed. So many women are programmed by society, by the way we were raised, just not to have the conversation. So I just started having it over and over. And thank goodness, one of the people I started having it with was Laura, because she is a best friend. And she was like, wow, I don't, I don't know any of this stuff either. I don't talk about this stuff. And that's when we realized she said, we ha- like she said, we had to bring this conversation forward. So what's interesting is when we launched our podcast, which was just four months ago, immediately got so much feedback of, oh my gosh, I need to, I need this, but I'm kind of nauseous. You know, people, people, women recognize like they need to be part of this conversation. They need to be having the conversation, but it was uncomfortable for them. And we're finding that even those who, as we started, said they were uncomfortable are now shooting us messages and saying like, oh my gosh, I just, I sold my boat. We sold our boat. (laughs) We talk about boats a lot, Laura. I don't have a boat. Laura has a boat. Um, But, you know, things that they've done that have like really um, brought them a sense of peace and and made them feel better about their financial position or that they increased their like like you have said before, increase their, increase their retirement savings by 1%. Like just starting that conversation, while I think a lot of people are reluctant, and I've noticed that some of the people I know need it more than anyone are the last ones to, to get on board. Um, it, I think women are starting to come around and I think it's starting to be normalized. And I think that's going to change the world when women are in a position of control and have more power when it comes to money and finances. I a thousand percent agree. And you made me think of a story. So just this week, it was like 10 o'clock at night and I get a text from a friend of mine and she said, Hey, I want to tell you something. Are you awake? And I said, yeah. And I had no idea what she's about to tell me. And she said, we took my daughter out for her 18th birthday tonight. And we were at, at dinner and said, you know, what do you want to do for your 18th year? And she said her goal for her 18th year is she um, had a little credit card that's co-signed with her parents that she wanted to pay that off. And she wanted to save a down payment for an investment property. And I said, I replied and said, wow, that's awesome. That's so cool. And I thought she was just telling me because she knows I like to hear that stuff. And she said, well, I just want to thank you because she read your book after I did. And this is what's 
start. And, I, and like my heart, that I, if no one else ever reads my book again, I really don't care. You know? I mean, it'd be cool if they did, but I really don't care. Like that's, that's what it was for, you know? And, but it reminds me, like you're saying, like women, once we start having those conversations, we're unstoppable. And there's so many times that people will text me something and be like, Hey, I just paid off my credit card or another girl texted me this week. And she said, I know you're not doing coaching right now. Cause I haven't started doing coaching at this point. She said, but is there any chance I can pay you just to coach me? <laughs> I said, let's talk about, it. I'm going to talk to her on Monday. And I said, let's see what you want me to do. Cause I don't want to agree until I know what's involved. But she said, I, she told me her reasonings why. And again, it's just by finally her having me to talk to a female to talk to about it. And it's taken her six months to make that call to me, but it's so powerful. So Laura, what's your thoughts on it? Right. I was going to share that I could sense in our home um, that things were, things were tight. I mean, we had just downsized our home, but we had bought a more expensive home and we had done a remodel. And then within a matter of months, we suffered a, um, a major flood. And then, you know, I, you know, heard my husband say, you know, for the first time, we need to apply for a student loan for our daughter because we don't know what the expenses, you know, we don't want what the insurance is going to cover what it's not. We had to put our home back together. And that was a ding, ding, ding moment for me. But, you know, all through our entire marriage and my husband is is amazing and wonderful. And he has done so good for our family. But being entrepreneurs and not having um, you know, traditional job with corporate America, we don't have a 401k. So our 401k looked like, you know, real estate. Um, we would pay, you know, paying off, paying off real estate and then knowing someday down the road, it would be worth X. And that's our, that's our 401k. I bought into his theory because he was the money guy of our household. I wasn't, I was Amanda. I was head in sand, high income earner, just spend it. You know, I buy new drapes if I want, or I can get a new office, you know, whatever it was. Um, so when Amanda and I started having this conversation last year, it was actually easier to have a conversation with a friend than it was my spouse initially. And so as Amanda and I started having these conversations, I started to educate myself on finances. I started listening to podcasts. I started reading books. I mean, all the be the best ones, you know, JL Collins, you know, all the ones that, you know, David Bach, all the ones that made really good sense to me and they were easy to follow. It wasn't like I didn't have to hide high education. I didn't have to be a CPA to wrap my brain around it, but it gave me an opportunity to really sit back and say, okay, honey, this is where I feel like we're at and how do we move closer together? So I eased into the conversation at home and it took us a little, it took us a few months. Like the, I think people think that, oh, you must have an amazing husband. You were immediately on the same page. We, we weren't about how we wanted to approach where we were at and how we wanted to move forward. And so it was through these conversations with Amanda that it helped me ease my way into a conversation with him. And that, you know, within a matter of three or four months, we were able to sit down together, have a really good conversation. And I started to get him to listen to some of the things that I had been listening to because he was just going with the approach that he knew. He didn't. We just take for granted that our spouses know what they're talking about. And what he recognized slowly was that there is his way and there's another way. And so we probably need to be more diversified as opposed to just being all his way. And that's what I was feeling. I was feeling like this is great over here, but how do we do more in a, in a, in a more traditional way? And so um, 
again, it goes back to that conversation with Amanda that empowered me to start the conversation at home. And then eventually, and now like we have this path to success and we sit down on Sunday mornings and we work our path and we both know where we're at. And it's just been, it's been an evolution and we're both just on the same page about spending and where our money goes and how much we want to save and where we want to be in 10 years. And I think for me, it's been life-changing. When you both brought up that you're talking to your spouses about it. And I think that's a big hurdle for a lot of women, because like you just said, Laura, we're, we assume that the guy has it or they just somehow know more than us. And while that may be true with under the hood of a car, (laughs) I feel like they just know that stuff. Um, I don't think you haven't met my husband. No. no. (laughs) So I think when it comes to finance, all we, all any of us know is what our parents taught us because you're not taught personal finance in school, even in college. So like one of my degrees is in economics and everyone thinks, oh, that's where she learned it. No, I learned about supply and demand. That's what I learned about. No one said, oh, but here's how you're going to invest and create a life that you can retire one day. And same like you, Amanda, I went to work in corporate America. I worked for a mutual fund company, which was a game changing lifesaver for me. And I got there and I thought, all right, they match 3% or whatever they matched. I'll do that in my 401k. And then I eventually increased it and all that stuff. But I was surrounded by people that had those conversations with me. But if you don't have those those people to talk to you about it, we are all starting on the same playing field. So did you find it um, now that you are talking openly with your spouses about it? It's a much easier conversation these days, right? Absolutely. So much easier. And my husband gives me total credit for where we started, you know, almost a year ago now to where we are now, as far as savings and how much debt we've paid off. He's like, I'm so grateful. In the beginning, he was not that grateful. He really didn't want me messing with what he perceived as the best way for our family. But now like to hear him say, I'm so grateful you got on this path and you know, you've brought us so far and just having the conversation. Now we're having the conversation with our adult children and I can see them shifting their thoughts because I have girls and they like nice things. And they got a lot of that from watching us, you know, they, they were following their paths. So now for them to see us shift and be more mindful, it's, it's the trip, the trickle effect down through our family has been, or the ripple effect has been really phenomenal. And now we're all talking about money in our household and it feels great. Right. There's no, there's no shame around it anymore. Like it doesn't, no matter how little or how much you have, it's just a conversation. It's just conversation. People act like money is a bad word. It's not like there's so much good you can do with money and you know, money and greed are two separate words. Yes, you can absolutely be greedy, but some of the most charitable, charitable people on this planet have more money than anyone I know, you know? So it just is a matter of how you approach it and what you do with it. But I think again, women, we have a shame associated with money and breaking that barrier is key. And so what you guys are doing is phenomenal. And for everyone listening there, again, their podcast is best friends finance podcast. And it's awesome. You guys should check it out. I was listening to you guys this morning when I was on my bike ride. Um, so it's, it's just a really good show. So what, what feedback have you heard from women of their biggest struggles? I get a lot of, um, I need to get out of debt. Debt seems to be a massive one that I get feedback on. And I tell them, yes, you got to get out of debt, but also you can't wait 30 years till you're completely out of debt. You also have to be investing. And what are you finding when you talk to women of their biggest challenges when investing? Or what were your own biggest challenges? You know, I I know that something I struggled with and many people have mentioned to me since, you know, definitely debt and definitely not 
feeling like we felt confident enough about investing. And man, you can really do well with investing if you just learn about, you know, broad, broad based, um, uh, total stock market index funds and dollar cost averaging. I mean, you understand that and you just start going and it's amazing how quickly you can make a huge impact. But I will say something that more on the psychological level that I see a lot of people struggle with. And I think this is a hundred percent because we are so tapped into social media, women and the comparison game, women who, and I have been there too, who know what path they need to get on. They know they want to start. They want to have a really significant emergency fund. They want to max out their retirement, but they also feel like they need to remodel their kitchen because so-and-so just got these fabulous countertops and you know these people are taking this amazing vacation. And so this comparison game makes, I think, a lot of women feel like they're so far behind. But really, it's all about choices. And you have no idea if, you know... Jane, who just remodeled her house, is leveraged to the hilt. Like we we all, if we could all figure out how to put our heads down and just look at our own personal financial goals and where we really want to be in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years and didn't worry about, um, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, I feel like that is a hurdle a lot of people still struggle with more so than ever because of social media. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. And you look at Instagram. And, and I'm on Facebook more than Instagram, but I try to get on Instagram because that's kind of where people are headed. And I look at everyone's a supermodel. Everyone works out every day. They all have the most beautiful lifestyle. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'm doing pretty good in life. And I look at Instagram and I'm like, there's 22 year olds that are driving awesome cars, going on these crazy trips. But but you're right. When it you look behind the curtain, it's oftentimes a lot different. And what does it matter what they're doing? So two good friends of mine, and I'll just consolidate them into one to make the story easier, but um, really represented awesome lifestyles. And I have friends with them. I've been friends with them. And I asked one of them, I was like, so, you know, when you bought your house, what did it, whatever I said. And she said, oh, I, I don't, I didn't buy this house. I rent. And nothing's wrong with renting. I don't have any issue with renting, but the lifestyle she promotes is one of not that. And so the other girlfriend um, same little group of friends. She had just bought a really awesome car. It was $88,000, right, for a car. And so same thing. Her house was really cool. And I asked her when she'd moved in because I'd just moved into town. She was renting her house. And I said, okay, well, let's talk about retirement because she knew I was finishing up the book at the time. She had $5,000 in a retirement account. She rented her house. She had an $88,000 car. And she'd had 15000 in her retirement account, but she couldn't make payroll and pulled $10,000 out to make payroll. But her car payment's like $1,600 a month. It, it's all for looks. And she said, well, I can't, I can't pull up to a house in not a nice car. And I said, well, you can pull up in a $40,000 car. You know, not an $88,000 car. It was crazy. But it, you're right. It's that keeping up with the Joneses. And I, I haven't got my toes done. Well, COVID obviously has been a big issue. And I live somewhere that your toes are always out, right? So I just haven't got my toes done because when, we, when COVID happened, we were like, let's cut corners. Let's cut corners. And if someone doesn't like me because my toenails aren't painted, I don't give a shit. Like, that's how I'm choosing to save some money right now, you know? And it's no one else's business what I do. So I think that's a great point. I think getting past that, comparing yourself to everyone else is such a big hurdle for women to know that, forget forget what anyone else is doing. You know, maybe they inherited money. You don't know. Or maybe they're living on credit. You don't know. So you can't compare. It's not that you're not comparing apples to apples. So, all right. So I don't want to keep you guys all day because I know 
I could because I love you guys. I think you're awesome. Um, <laughs> but any any final thoughts of things that you want to share to women before I ask you our fun five end of the podcast questions? Any last parting thoughts for women? You go, Laura. Well, you know, I'm just going to back up your, Amanda loves when I do this. I'm going to back up your whole Instagram game because I am super into um, my home aesthetically. Like I love a clean home. I love a beautiful home. That is my value system. I love it. It doesn't have to be the biggest home on the block, but I want it to be pretty. I like my, you know, I don't have to have the cutest new bag or dress or anything like that, but I love, love, love my home. I always have. And this is the first year when we really started to look at our finances, where we were spending our money and stuff. And I had no bones about running into home goods and buying new throw pillows or pumpkins. Hello. Can we just talk about Halloween on Instagram? It is crazy how many people buy like probably hundreds of dollars of pumpkins just to take one photo so that they can post it on Instagram. I used to be that girl. You know, I see now people posting, you know, pictures in their kitchen and they have wreaths above their fireplace or not their fireplaces above their stoves, you know, or on their vena hoods. And I just look at all all, now what I do when I look at all these images is I think, ah, how much money does that cost them? Mm -hmm. Just that they can just post a pretty picture on Instagram. It's so funny how I've shifted like now. I mean, I still love my home. It's pretty, but I'm not rushing in. I'm not redecorating it for every season. I didn't buy a wreath for Christmas this year. I mean, I'm not buying new. I used to get new ornaments for my tree every year. Like I don't do that. I did not do that this year. And I cannot tell you how good that it felt. But not only that, I was looking and now seeing what other people do. And I, you can see where people spend frivolously on things that do not matter. And t- if they were just to take that extra couple hundred dollars that they were spending on those items and sticking it in a retirement fund or in, in a building their emergency fund, we have learned through this process, through COVID, very few people have that three to six month um, emergency fund. And so people values, they value the wrong thing right now. At that, and I believe that we are living in that world, the Instagram, everything's beautiful. Everyone has fancy stuff. Everyone doesn't. Nope. It's so much more important to know, to have that security and the money in the bank, as opposed to the prettiest new car or the prettiest wreath on your front door. No one cares. No one cares. And it's so funny because people will come into my house and I have a beautiful home. I love my home. I love decorating my home. I'm very arts and craftsy. So it works out pretty inexpensively for me to, to my right. We just redid um, one of our walls here. I'll turn this and no one can see it, but I, but you guys can, we just redid this wall. And so it's a pallet wall, right? Oh, I love it. It's awesome. And it's much bigger than I showed you. That's part of it. But um, we got some fence, old fencing from a hurricane that was laying on the side of the road. Pressure washed it. And it's a free wall. You walk everyone that walks in is like, oh my gosh, that's gorgeous. It was free. And the other thing I like, people will come in, my uh, kitchen table's over there. And they'll come in and say, where did you get your kitchen table? Because it looks really fancy. And I'm like, I got it for $10 on Facebook Marketplace. I took it home, sanded it down, repainted it, made it super duper cute. And now you think I bought it at a fancy store. Whereas five years ago, I might have bought it at a fancy, maybe 10 years ago, I might have bought it at a fancy store because I thought that's how you bought furniture, you know, but you just, it's, you got to crush these beliefs that you have to have the nicest, newest thing. There's ways to have a wonderfully amazing, nice life and not frivolously spend money. And you made a great point, Laura, that if you just took that $200 that you spent on the wreath or whatever it is each month, 
because every month there's something we spend money on that's worthless, right? A wreath that two months later you couldn't sell for $20, maybe 20 bucks, but not a lot, took that $200 and put it in an index fund and dollar cost averaged it out over a few years, you've got a base of a retirement account or a savings account. And, and that's not fun because you can't touch it, you can't look at it, and you can't post pictures about it on Instagram. But you actually can. You can post quotes about investing. You can, And people like that more because it gives them some inspiration, even though it's more fun to buy a really nice new decoration, right? So I think great, great, great point, Sarah. So I'm and just having the conversation with your friends too. Like I know one thing that one of my girlfriends talked about was her really expensive laundry detergent. It's like $50. And she's like, I'm never giving that up. And her money was tied at their house. And I was like, why do you care what your sheets smell like? If they're clean, who cares if they smell like roses? I mean, yeah. Yeah. it's just funny where people's value, it goes back to people's value system. And you just have to be willing to break one barrier down at a time. And, you know, it's not a get rid of everything all in one month. It's a slow progression of, I cannot go to home goods and buy anything for the house this month. And then next month I cannot buy the laundry detergent or whatever. But slowly when you start to give those things up, you actually don't miss them. And, and you have, you, you, you know what you're, you know that you were spending the money on that. So now you reallocate those exact same funds and you put them somewhere. And it's so much more fun to see your money grow as opposed to just throwing it out the window. Yeah. And to not worry about it every month of how am I going right. to pay my credit card? It, just to not have that stress is so much more valuable than any decoration you can sell me. So yeah, Amanda, any thoughts from you before we go on to our fun five questions? Just that no, nothing, no pillow, throw pillow or laundry detergent feels better than a fully funded emergency fund and, um, and a retirement account that you're watching grow and knowing you're meeting your goals. I mean, gosh, the peace of mind that will give you way better than a pillow. So let me ask you this. Cause you both, you said pillows. Did you guys have pillow obsessions prior to changing your ways? Yes. Throw pillows. Throw pillows. We, we've throw talked pillows. about this, like walking in and being like, oh, new throw pillows. I mean, how many times do you need to change your throw pillows? Who cares? Uh, so I ask because it gives me a little chuckle because anyone that knows me five years ago, there were days that in my truck, the entire backseat of my truck, if I went into Home Goods or Steinmark gets me to, um, and there's Garden Ridge, there's a few of them that I I have to, I, oh, old time pottery. Gosh, that one's, that one's trouble. Great stores, but there's, I have to like limit when I go in there because they have such good pillows. And I suddenly think I need new pillows for everything. So I would literally take pictures and be like, look at all my pillows. And my back of my truck was filled to the brim with pillows. And the only thing that would happen is my amazing dogs would lay all over them, get dog hair on them, and I have to throw them away. They're really cute when I bought them. So, uh, so I have some throw I have some throw pillows that I actually found in the trash cans out front the other day. And I was like, honey, what happened to my pillows and why are they in the trash can? And he goes, they had a little bit of mold on them. And I said, some throw pillows are better than no throw pillows. I'm like, I was not willing to throw those away just because they had a little bit of mold on them because they are outdoor pillows and they've been rained on several times. And I'm like, oh my God, he threw them away. And it just crushed me because I'm like, who am I? I used to just go, oh, okay, I'll just go get new ones. These have mold on them. But now I'm like, no, let's save those. I could have bleached them. I could have, you know, run them through the through the washing machine, but yeah. it's so, it's just funny how quickly you start to shift your behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And you, I can't thank you guys enough for what you're doing because what you're doing for women all across the board is, is phenomenal. And it takes people like you to get those conversations started so that people that were scared, like all three of us were at some point in our life, scared to have the conversation, scared to do the investing, scared to have the conversation with our spouse, all those things 
if you and I aren't out there talking about it, it do, there, there's no one guiding us, right? So thank you for what you're doing for all women. So with that, I'm going to ask you our fun five questions. So for both of you, and you can have the same or different answers, of course, who is the woman that you most admire and why? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, I will just say quickly, uh, Sarah Blakely, mm -hmm. I am kind of obsessed with just because she's the founder of Spanx, the creator of Spanx. Anyone who finds a need like she did and figures out how to make it work and builds an empire, I just, I, she's kind of one of my heroes. Did you know that I used to uh, manage the 401k plan for Spanx? I did know that. Yeah. And like that, <laughs> my girl crush is even bigger on you now because what? Real life multiple times. Like she, but it was still like she, there was, I always felt like there's like a glass wall between her and I, like a, like there physically was a glass wall. And it was just like start, I had to act like I wasn't starstruck but I totally was. Anyway, Laura, who's the girl that you most admire? You know, this is going to sound, I don't know how this is going to sound, um, but for me, I think it's Oprah, you guys. She's brought so many different conversations to the head for people to talk about hard things. I mean, from all topics. And what one thing that I, you know, love about her is I got to see her live um, earlier this year, but I mean, just her faith, you know, she's, she came from a really rough place. She's managed to overcome amazing obstacles. And, you know, so much I think of myself, my upbringing reminds me, my hardship was not as hard as hers, but I definitely had a hard um, upbringing. My, you know, we had a lot of obstacles to overcome, but I, she inspires people and she continues to do good and she wants to make a difference. And I think that's where Amanda and I are at. Like, we just want to make a difference in as many people's lives as we can. And, you know, obviously we work with women mostly on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's where our passion lies. Great answer. So, and I'm trying out for a speaking gig this afternoon. So I'm going to fix my hair before then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying out for a speaking gig this afternoon. It's pretty competitive. And you had to send in your slides early and so on and so forth. It's like TEDx. And on my slides, Oprah and Sarah Blakely are on some of my slides. So that's great. No way. Awesome. These are women that crushed limiting beliefs and embrace um, both their successes and their failures in order to move themselves and others forward. So love both of you guys' answers. Um, my second question that I ask everyone is what's your favorite book? But for you guys, because you guys do talk about finance, I sometimes let people not say finance books, but I want to know from you guys, what are your favorite books on finance? Laura, you read way more finance books than I do. Oh my gosh. Well, I've, so I don't, I'm not a big reader, but I love books on tape. We travel a lot in the car. We go on lots of road trips. And so, you know, JL Collins, um, Simple Path to Wealth. I love, I'm obsessed with David Bach, like all things David Bach. I mean, he really was the one that, you know, wrote the book on um, um, smart women finish rich. Mm -hmm. Love, 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 love that book. Um, I, I like anything finance that I can get my hands on. Um, and I'd listen to, I probably listen to more podcasts than I do books. Let's be honest. There are so many finance podcasts out there. You, there's so many people to learn from that. I just try to absorb everything. And if I hear something that is really, really powerful, you know, I, I 
kind of jot down where I'm at in that podcast. And like, if I'm on a walk or something and I'll go back home and I'll get my pen and paper out and I'll, and I'll go back and re-listen to that and take notes on it because I want to parlay everything that I hear either, you know, I want to have a conversation with Amanda about it or my husband or whatever. So again, for me, it's just, I'm just continuing to learn every single day. And guys listen to JL Collins. Yeah. Because sorry, but um, David Bach, I read that smart women finish rich when I was 22 years old, maybe 21. It changed my life. I stopped buying coffee. Yeah. Like literally stopped buying coffee. I mean, I still drink coffee, but I don't buy it from fancy expensive places. It was a, and, and that $5 every day that I was spending went into my retirement plan. True story. And so great, great, great suggestion. And if you liked that, have you read any Thomas Stanley, the millionaire next door? Yes. yes, that's a great one too. And very similar styles I felt from those two guys. Excellent, excellent suggestions. And Amanda, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, no, you're great. Um, J.L. Collins' Simple Path to Wealth is by far my favorite finance book because he simplified it so much for me that I feel that almost like set it and forget it. And dollar cost average uh, strategy has just been so effective and also just so good for my peace of mind. Um, and guys, I'm going to totally go rogue here though, and talk about two fiction books really quick. Um, if anyone's looking for good reads, just, this is where, where are we now? It's June 11th of 2020. Um, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Colson Whitehead is an author who wrote, um, the Underground Railroad and the Nickel Boys, both of which have recently won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction. Um, just based on the current climate in America, they are outstanding books. They're historical fiction, both of them. And I could not recommend them more. Nickel Boys and Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. All right. Good. To, and I'm looking for actually good fiction books because I'm a nonfiction junkie. And I, but I've gotten a little burnt out lately because I read so many books. I read all the time and so much nonfiction. Or Laura, I'm kind of saying I read, but I also audible. I call it reading. Yeah. <laughs> audible in the car, whatever. I get the information. Let's be honest. It's listening. Let's be honest. <laughs> so I like people to read stories. Uh, so I've been trying to find some good fictions just to have some fun with reading because I feel like if I don't have some fun with it right now, then I'm going to get burnt out on it more than I am now. So those I would I'm going to those. I just want to interject too that J.L. Collins. What one thing that he you know when you think about his book and what he says is he wrote this book because he had a daughter that did not love finance as much as he did. And he wanted to leave her a path. And so this kind of parlays back, this kind of goes back to us talking about money with women. I mean, he did this for his daughter and then he shared it with everyone else. And so I just think it's so fitting. Yep. 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 Great, great, great suggestion, ladies. All right. So what do you guys like to do for fun outside of finance stuff? I hike with my dog. It's it's we're still kind of on semi lockdown here in Colorado. So that's about it lately. Yep. But I do a lot of that. Awesome. What kind of dog do you have? I have a Labradoodle. Her name is Libby Lou and she is the best thing ever. Nice. Nice. Matt, my dog behind me, he's saying that he's the best thing ever, but he's he's actually terrible, so you're just probably better. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, what happened to enjoy doing? You know, we live on a lake, so we do a lot of boating. We do a lot of outdoor activities, swimming and that sort of thing. So we love to live our lives outdoors as much as possible. All right. And I'm a mega boater, just so you know, except I'm a mega boater that claims to be a mega boater. And I don't have a boat right now, but I usually do have a boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just talk about boats are not a great investment. They're, they're not, but I'm going to make my, my next boat's going to be an awesome investment. Let me tell you what I'm doing. So I live on the intercoastal and we have this empty dock that I'm looking at right now. It's really sad and lonely out there. 
And I couldn't figure, I'm like, I don't want to just buy a boat right now because we're so busy. I don't have time to use it right now. We've got so much going on. But I've also decided my next challenge is I'm going to circumnavigate. And I'm going to circumnavigate in a catamaran, which is great because I don't know how to sail, but I'm going to learn. So what we're going to do is buy a catamaran, park it on our dock, and Airbnb it. And have people stay on the dock, stay on the catamaran, pay the catamaran off that way. And I'm, and we're actually doing the same thing with an RV. So I told my husband, like, this is my first time I'm ever going to invest in depreciating assets, but I want to see if I can turn them into assets that pay me money and I don't have to pay for. So I'll let you guys know in a couple of years if that worked out, but that's my plan. So we're working on getting a, a sailing cat, but I've always had wakeboarding boats. I used to be on a lake. So we were always wakeboarding and stuff, but wakeboarding on the intercoastal, not very fun, too rough out there. So, right. When you have to, you have to factor in the cost of boats, like it's, it's entertainment with your family. And so sometimes you, you know, the value, you have to put a value on that. And everything can't be an investment. I mean, that's just, you've got to have fun in there or it's not worth it. What are you investing? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So that leads to my next question. What is the last thing you did for fun? Hiked with my dog. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, um, see what I, I went to the post office yesterday and like just leaving the valley I live in these days feels like, Ooh, that's exciting. Okay. okay we, went to Hawaii. we went to Hawaii yeah. in February right before I'm like, the pandemic truly hit. That's what happened. Okay. Good. Cause post office wasn't really a good answer to say no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But Hawaii is a great answer. And I hope you had a wonderful time on that trip before COVID happened. So awesome. we did. What, which islands did you go to? We were on Maui on Kanapale. And I mean, I would move there in a heartbeat if it didn't take eight hours to get anywhere from there because I like to travel too much. I don't want to add that much time on. And, you know, I live in Denver where we have an international hub right here, which, you know, I love mountains too. So anyway, Hawaii, amazing. 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 Laura, what's the last thing you did for fun? I'm fortunate enough to live in a small, very small resort area, and we have a little yacht club up here. And so that's where we've been spending a lot of our time is just hanging up there and um, getting to meet. I mean, we've never spent this much time up there because we were always busy or traveling or, you know, living our lives in other places. And we've really gotten to know a lot of our neighbors. And I mean, we're kind of enjoying just living locally. It's so true. My two doors down for me our neighbors that I had never met until COVID happened. And we were, the neighbors next door were really good friends. We hang out all the time. So we, we were, that was our quarantine. So we, the whole area, they've, they've got three boats and they've, we've got fire pits and pinball. And between the two of us, we have a lot of fun stuff that we can do. So we all hung out for COVID. Well, two doors down, they saw us keep hanging out and having drinks by the pool at night and all this stuff. And so one night they were like, can we come over and hang out with you guys? And we're like, yeah, absolutely. And so COVID is why I finally got to meet my neighbors, which is the reverse of what you would think happened. You know, so same. It's, yep. it's, it's been kind of nice to get to meet people and not be so crazy and busy. So, all right, last question. On your bucket list, what is the one item that you need to complete or you'll be devastated if you don't complete it? Okay, I, I, I really you want to um, go, I really want to travel all over internationally with my children. And we have done little things like, you know, Hawaii is not internationally, but Costa Rica, things like that. But I really want to like take several months 
and explore Europe with my girls. And maybe when they're a little older and they'll really appreciate it and not whine about their feet hurting or their legs being tired. Um, But that is something that I know I really want to do. Awesome. I want to live abroad for at least, I, I mean, I say a year, I think at least a year, I would love just to immerse myself in another culture and you know, I think it's Italy, but I don't know. I haven't been to Spain. I, I need to check some other places out before I decide exactly where that is, but definitely live abroad. Yeah. So travel for, and travel's mine too. It's mm-hmm. the world. And that that's where the catamaran came in as I was trying to figure out how can I see the world realistically, you know? And so, and our, our daughter's grown up, so that's easier for us at this point, but going by boat, I'm like, oh, I can go down the rivers in Europe and I can go around Southeast Asia so that's where the uh, catamaran plan came from. But yeah, traveling just does something for the soul. So mm-hmm. awesome. Well, guys, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can follow you. For my listeners, please check out their podcast. Do not limit yourself to one podcast. So let them know all the things that they can do to reach out and find you awesome ladies. We're on Instagram at Best Friends Finance, and we have a private Facebook group where we continue the conversation. Also, Best Friends Finance. Um, Any place else, Laura? We're not super fancy. We have a website. Oh, we do. We have a website. Bestfriendsfinance.com. Bestfriends <laughs> yep, that's it. And you can subscribe. We've got a little pop-up there and you can subscribe to get, um, you know, what's latest in our lives and what's happened on the podcast. And um, we're just going to, like you, Kristen, we're just going to keep, keep having the conversation. Yep. And anyone listening, if you want to have the conversation, if you're trying to learn I talk about all the time, find people you can find, follow, find people you can look up to, find people you can learn from. These are two very real ladies that have been through the same thing most of our listeners are going through. So follow them, see what they're doing, because that's who you're going to learn from. So guys, you were awesome. Loved speaking with you guys on your podcast. So glad to have you on mine. I hope we remain friends because I think we have a lot of common interests and let's just keep, keep the conversations going between all of us so we can continue helping other people out there. So we would love that. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Well, I'll put all the links on the on the show so you, it'll all be there. And then I'll talk to you guys in the near future. Awesome. Thank you, Krista. Thanks, Krista. Boss ladies, head over to Best Friends Finance Podcast when you get a chance. Don't desert me, but check them out too. I am obsessed with them and what they're creating. And I love their energy and their down-to-earth nature and their level-headedness about attacking attacking this challenge and really starting to understand money, not just for themselves, but for the women around them. Until then, follow us on my socials at The Boss Lady Investor. And guys, if you haven't signed up for The Boss Lady Investor University, do so. Uh, We're going to be announcing some really fun workshops for this fall where we can actually get down to the nuts and bolts of your finances and get you on track to be debt-free and start investing in your future. So Follow us so you can be a part of our tribe and all the fun things happening. And until then, stay safe, wash your hands, cover your face, and know that whatever dreams you have, whatever challenges you are afraid of, take a deep breath because boss ladies, you got this.